This is episode number one on the Follow Your Flow podcast. Have you been affected by the myths that shroud the topic of menstruation? Have you been affected by the messages that tell us that it's dirty and that we've got to keep it a secret, we can't talk about it, it's shameful? And do you think that these myths still exist? Do you think that we still are affected by that in in our Western culture today? There's probably more people talking about menstruation and potentially in a more positive way, in a more open way, but we're still very much tainted by the myths that have been passed down from generation to generation and that have been sort of woven into the fabric of society. So this episode is all about that. I have put together 10 period myths for us to talk about today. So let's get over to the episode so that we can uncover these one by one. Please also remember that this podcast does not and should not replace any of your medical advice or your choices around your healthcare. Any changes that you may choose to make, please make sure that you are seeking medical attention and checking in with your medical practitioners. You're listening to Follow Your Flow, your podcast on all things women's health, menstruation, and fertility. Your host, fertility awareness educator, women's health practitioner, and lover of all things health and healing, brings her wealth of experience, along with the real experiences of women and the expertise of health professionals. If you're looking for real and insightful conversations with real women, along with inspiring and lasting ways to improve your health, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host on Follow Your Flow, Sarah Harris. On today's episode, we are going to dive deep into the myths around menstruation. Now, there are many, many, many and varied myths around this topic. So I have chosen or come up with uh, 10, 10 of these myths that I feel need to be um, exposed. Some of them just very practical things that we need to be aware of and other things that might run a little bit deeper than that from a cultural perspective. So as we know, things get passed down from generation to generation and there are messages around certain topics that just get filtered through without perhaps even us being aware that that is the case. And whilst we may not live in and amongst cultures that have, you know, banished women to a shed during menstruation and have, you know, really outwardly and openly sort of shamed that event in a woman's life, we may not live in amongst that, but We are very much tainted by that and there is absolutely the feeling of the shame and humiliation that shrouds this topic. And I know for myself, I was very embarrassed and felt very humiliated and just really struggled with the fact that I would be getting my period and then what would happen when I actually did. I think it's, you know, pretty common knowledge that this topic is very much taboo and it is something that we have been kind of 
I guess, inherently trained to keep secret and to not talk much about. And on this podcast, I want to uncover a lot of these myths that we have, a lot of the myths and mistruths that we have been fed and um, that we, we take on and that we believe. And just really open it all up for discussion to see the truth of what's really going on in our menstrual cycle and what it actually really means. There's so much more to our cycle and to our periods, quote unquote, uh, than wanting to achieve or avoid pregnancy, which is really where the education around this is uh, focused. I know it was for me during my sex education as I was growing up. But there's so much more than this and hence why I have recently written an ebook called Ovulation, the part of the cycle that we tend to only focus on if we're trying to conceive or trying to avoid pregnancy, but not for the benefit and support of ourselves as women to understand that there is actually so much more about that phase in our cycle as there is to every single other phase, every moment of our cycle from the time we bleed from the first day of our period all the way to the end of that cycle. And we don't focus on any of that nearly enough, if at all. Um, so that book, you can check it out on my website, goes through just very practical understanding of how to understand when you ovulate you know something that every single girl and woman should know all right so let's get into these myths now as i said i've got 10 so we'll start off with number one your cycle is supposed to be 28 days all right so this is very ingrained in girls and women to think that their cycle needs to be 28 days in length. And I think it's probably become even more ingrained since the inception of contraceptive pills, to be honest, because they were manufactured specifically to mimic a menstrual cycle. And originally, when they first manufactured the pill, they didn't have the sugar pills. Yeah, so you just took the hormones, the synthetic hormones, continuously. And women initially were a little bit unsure about this because they were convinced that they were actually pregnant because they weren't getting their period. So they didn't so much like this drug. But when it was changed and manufactured to be 28 days so that it mimicked the cycle, women started to become a little bit more comfortable with it because they were told that this is just regulating your cycle. The very nature of the pill is, and I'm probably spreading into a, a few other myths here, but I will keep going. So uh, the, the purpose of the pill or the the mechanism of the pill is to switch off your ovulation. So it switches off that hypothalamus pituitary ovarian axis, the communication between your brain and your ovaries. And so by virtue of that, you are not, while you're on the pill, actually getting a period. But women feel comfortable taking the pill because they are told that it is a period. A lot of women, when we talk about that, that the pill is not actually a real period, are really quite shocked and don't understand, you know, how they didn't actually know that. 
Uh, but I, I feel like in terms of this myth, the contraceptive pill is, I think, very much has a part to play in how that's been cemented into our psyche. Um, and then women often will think that there is something wrong with them and that they are inherently broken and that they need to be fixed if their cycle is not 28 days. And this is simply not true. A, in inverted commas, normal cycle um, can range anywhere between 21 to 35 days. And it's really important that we get to know and understand our cycle to understand what is kind of normal for us and what our body's communicating to us month in and month out. And if we don't understand and know when we ovulate, if we don't keep track of our cycle, if we don't understand the ins and outs of how the, the phases work, then it's really difficult to, to connect with that and to appreciate what your body's actually communicating. So your cycle is supposed to be 28 days is absolutely a 100% a myth, absolutely not true. Okay, so moving on to myth number two, a pill bleed is a real period. Now, this is just extending from what I just said in the previous myth, that the pill is a manufactured bleed. So like I said, the mechanism for the pill, the way that it works, means that it actually turns off your hormonal system in terms of the communication of the sex hormones between the or the production of the sex hormones between the hypothalamus and the ovaries. When a woman is taking the sugar pills when she is on the contraceptive pill, that bleed when she gets to those sugar pills is a withdrawal bleed. So it's a withdrawal from the drugs. It's a withdrawal from the synthetic hormones. It is not a period as in where she has cycled, when the, the progesterone goes down, the estrogen goes down at the end of the cycle, and then there's the allowance of the release of the lining of the endometrium. That is a period. A pill bleed is a withdrawal from synthetic hormones. This is not a period. Okay, so that's something to just get really straight. So we all understand that when you are on the pill, it is not a cycle and it is not regulating anything. Okay, so it is simply giving you a manufactured cycle, synthetic cycle, a synthetic bleed or a synthetically produced bleed. So that is myth number two. Now let's go to myth number three. So you can't get pregnant when you have your period. This is a common one. A lot of women who I see in the clinic will think that if you've got your period, then it's kind of like a safe time. And I have to admit that I definitely thought that too until I understood that it is actually possible to get pregnant at that time. And it's possible because it's possible to ovulate during that time. And it depends on your cycle. It depends on you know, if, if a woman has a shorter cycle and she, you know, maybe even has a longer bleed, then she could be starting to release the cervical mucus, which is what supports the sperm to travel up through the vagina into the cervix and then into the uterus to um, meet the egg in the fallopian tube. 
So it is actually possible if you have a shorter cycle for that ovulation to actually occur earlier and during your period, in which case that would mean that pregnancy can occur if you were to have sexual intercourse at that time. So that's something to be aware of and something that I go through with women when we do fertility awareness education, whether that's with groups or individually, just to help them to understand that the way that you track your fertile and non-fertile days is by getting to know and understand the signs in your body, very, very clear signs in your body, but we just need to get to know them. And that is the cervical mucus is the main one and getting to know the pattern of that cervical mucus and how it works in your body. And then another way to support that for some women is to use a basal body temperature and that is to check their waking temperature every morning when when they wake up before they get out of bed. And when you chart the temperature, you get to see when you have ovulated. So it's, it's more after the fact where cervical mucus is in the lead up to ovulation. You get to see when your body is preparing for ovulation. But like I said, if that is during the bleeding time, it's very difficult to know the difference between the blood and the mucus. You know, is there, is there mucus in the blood or not? So it's always an unsure time in terms of fertility awareness. We always say that it's, it's a time when you don't really know if you are, you can't definitively say that you are or you are not fertile at that time. Okay, so let's talk about the next one. Myth number three is that period pain is normal. It's really interesting that we as women are taught to think that period pain is in fact just a normal part of being a woman. That's just something that we all have to go through. It's something that we have to just put up with and we have to manage. And I talk to women often And there's a common story or a common theme that comes through from generation to generation. And they will say, well, you know, you know, I always have had this severe period pain and it's always, I've always had to take a day off school or a day off work. And that's just what I know. And, you know, that's just what, you know, my mom or my grandma, you know, have just said that this is just part of being a woman. You know, it's just something that you have to go through. So this is actually not true. And period pain, along with lots of other things, is our body communicating to us. And it's our body communicating to us that something is going on and something, you know, is getting in the way of our daily life. There's lots of varying degrees of period pain that women experience. And if you're experiencing pain that is that is getting in the way of your life and like I said, having to take days off school, having to take days off work, or even if it's just very uncomfortable, that in itself is your body communicating something to you. It's interesting how we have the condition of endometriosis and it can take 7 to 10 years for a woman to be officially diagnosed with this condition this is largely because of the way that they the way that they are received in a medical situation where they they're talking to their doctor about period pain 
and it is either brushed off as, you know, it being more psychological or it's something that there's nothing to that can be done about it or it's something that you just um, go on the pill and then it will go away. So this is really important for women to understand that the communication from your body is not random. It is not there to make you feel like a victim. It is not there for you to feel like you're at the mercy of your body. It is not there as punishment. It is there because something in your body is out of balance and there is something that needs to be, I guess, corrected or your body's trying to correct itself. So there is definitely investigation that needs to happen and of course that's up to each individual woman in how she investigates that whether that is down further down the medical route which is very important and I always recommend all women to do if you're not getting a response from a health practitioner or a medical doctor that is supporting you to understand more about what is causing this pain then you need to find a new doctor someone that is going to listen, someone that is going to investigate and someone that is going to help you understand what is happening on a physical level. And then to support that and to support whatever the, the medical route is, then there is also bringing understanding to what is going on to the quality and of how you're living and your lifestyle and, you know, are there things in terms of the way that you're eating and the way that you're living that could be contributing to this extra or excess inflammation that is in your body. And this is what I do with women in what I've termed women's health counseling is to support them to understand that there are always underlying reasons for for why we're experiencing things in our bodies. And it's definitely worth exploring and investigating that part too in conjunction with the medical route. Okay, so let's move on to myth number four. So myth number four is that I'm going to half dispel this myth and half agree with it. So bear with me here. So you can't exercise whilst you have your period. Now, this is an interesting one. So there is a big movement out there that is encouraging women to think they can do anything during their period that they would do whilst they don't have their period. And we're talking about the bleeding time here. So there's been taglines or slogans like no blood can hold us back no, or no blood should hold you back and um, anything you can do, I can do bleeding. So these, I feel, are harmful actually, to women and whilst they come under the guise of empowerment and liberation for women, I also think that it's really important that we actually have to honour the fact that there is something very different about how we feel in our body at the time when we have our period and this is, you know, as I said, the bleeding time. And just like there are, there is a very different feeling in our bodies to ovulation and to between bleeding and ovulation and then between ovulation and bleeding, you know, there is a very different feeling and what we're pulled towards is very different. So the fact that we are encouraged to be able to 
do whatever we usually do is I feel is actually very harmful for women and it puts us in a lot of hardness and makes us override this natural pull to be much more tender, to be much more still, to be much more honoring of the sensitivity that we're feeling in our body. And yet at the same time, I also think that it is actually very important to continue with gentle exercise, whether that be walking or something very gentle like stretching can be very supportive during the time a woman is bleeding. I feel like actually being not doing any kind of movement is also not great, but it's just about honoring what it is that your body needs and what it is that your body needs according to how you actually feel at that particular time. Okay, now moving on to myth number five. So myth number five is your hormones define you. Now, this is interesting. This is one that I think we all probably know and hear all of the time when you either use it yourself, the term when you say, oh, I'm just hormonal, or someone else might say, oh, she's just hormonal, Um, she must have a period. And it's used by men a lot too, but also used by women. And this, I feel, is something that it's very disempowering, actually. It's very disempowering for a woman to just reside to the fact that, you know, however she's feeling is just because of her hormones or for a man to, or, or a woman to say that about another woman. It's very diminishing, it's disempowering, and it's not true. It's, you know, we, we have a choice in how we live and how we live actually then determines how our hormones are going to respond. And so it's very, it's, it's a way to kind of pass off, I guess, responsibility is the way that I see it so that we don't have to take responsibility for the fact that our hormones might be doing something that might be a little bit uncomfortable or maybe causing us to react in a certain way but they're not doing that because of the hormones themselves. They are doing that in response to how we have been living. So I think we deserve more than that for ourselves and um, for the women in our lives. And I think that we can, we can really step into understanding ourselves much more so that we can actually support the way that our hormones express in our body. Moving on now to myth number six. Actually, I think we're up to myth number seven. I've lost track. Anyway, I'll just keep going. Uh, So the next one is your period is dirty, unclean, and shameful, impure, has to be kept a secret, all the things that we spoke about in the introduction. So this obviously comes down through, has come down through the ages you know we've we've been sold this lie and we've been sold that we need to keep everything very very secret i know when i first got my period i will in the lead up to getting my period i would check every time i stood up in class i would turn around and check the back of my dress and i know i wasn't the only one doing that so there was many of us doing that or we would say to each other can you check my dress 
And I hadn't even got my period at this stage. And I was so anxious about the fact that, you know, was I going to start bleeding at some unknown time and then get up, have my dress completely flooded and then be laughed at and I'll be so embarrassed and I'll be humiliated and it'll be the end of my life. You know, that's, that's the extent to which I thought about that. And, you know, that's not something that anyone ever said to me. You know, my parents, you know, in, I guess they're in their uncomfortableness about the situation too, you know, communicated as best they could when they spoke to us about puberty and all the changes that were going to happen. But, you know, as, as much as they tried to make it a very beautiful thing, you know, they still, they too were tainted by this, this message that comes down through generation to generation, that it's something that we, that we need to keep secret and it's something that we don't really talk about. And so then of course, you know, you naturally sort of take that on and it's very much felt. So we don't necessarily even have to say these words for it to be passed through. And, you know, that's something that I guess can only change when when we actually do start to really appreciate what our bodies are doing and how they are working and just the absolute wonder and magic of what actually happens in every single phase of, of our cycle and what happens in, in the lead up to ovulation. And I mean, I just, when I got to know and understand about cervical mucus, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And all of this time, I thought that there was something wrong with me or I was, you know, had this discharge that was, you know, just a bit dirty and didn't understand that that was my body's healthy signal to tell me that I was preparing to ovulate. And that's just extraordinary. We don't appreciate our bodies like that because that's the miseducation that we are all affected by. Okay, now myth number eight. So PMS is all in your head. Now this one comes back in the same vein as period pain is normal. And a lot of women experience PMS symptoms. I think they say that 90% of women experience PMS, but I would say to some degree, pretty much nearly all women. I don't think I've ever spoken to any woman who hasn't ever experienced a PMS type of symptom. Now there are so many symptoms, hence why it's called premenstrual syndrome, because it's a very large group of symptoms that encompass this, this, I guess, condition, you could call it. And because it's not as obvious as something physical, it can often get passed off through, you know, medical practitioners or even women themselves as being something that is um, just all in your head and that you just need to, to be able to deal with. Now, again, like period pain, it's not normal as such, but it is very common and it is your body again communicating something to you it's communicating to you something about your sensitivity to the hormones the hormone fluctuations in your body and this happens pms premenstrual means it's between ovulation and your period usually in the week or just a few days in the lead up to you getting your period but it can extend out you know all the way to 
after ovulation has occurred. So what you're experiencing is not in your head and it is important to seek support for this. And again, that lifestyle, understanding how you're living, the quality of how you know, you're know you eating and all of the things that support or don't support you have an effect on, on how you will experience this, this part of your cycle. There is a severe form of PMS called PMDD, of which I have a fantastic episode coming up um, with an interview with a woman who experienced PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So it's, I guess you could say, a more severe form of PMS. But all in all, it's really important to understand that there is support available for these kinds of symptoms and it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go on the pill in order to wipe out your cycle altogether. There is in bringing understanding to what PMS is, how it works and how you can support yourself in terms of adjusting this sensitivity to the hormone fluctuations is really important. So get yourself informed and and get yourself the support that you need. All right, now moving on to number nine, your period is not really needed. All right, now this is one that is sometimes backed by research that comes out every so often that says that your period is not really needed. You don't really need it. You can just carry on with using synthetic hormonal contraceptives and synthetic medications to to not get your period. Well, let's just talk about that for a minute. If we're talking about when we are on the pill and is your period needed while you're on the pill, well, let's just go back to that other myth for a minute and remember that your period on the pill is not a period. It was manufactured to create and mimic a period. In truth, you don't really need those sugar pills. So the reason those sugar pills are there is to make you think you have a period. So your period is not really needed. If you're on the pill, that could be true because it's not actually your period. But in terms of do you actually need your period? Yes, most definitely you do. And this is because what your period does, and we're talking about here, just on a purely physical level. Your period produces hormones. It produces estrogen and it produces progesterone and testosterone. And it produces these hormones in a cyclical manner. And these hormones are enormously important and essential for your body. Yeah, they're important for over 400 physiological functions in your body and not just about reproduction. Your menstrual cycle is not just about, like I said, making babies. And that's the next myth. Actually, we might blend these together. So myth number 10 is periods are just about getting pregnant. No, periods are not just about getting pregnant. Your period is needed. Your fertility is needed. And this is because of the hormones that you make. You cannot get these hormones from a pill. They are not the same. Your progesterone and your estrogen, your estradiol that you make when you get your period is 
so important for your bone health, for your cardiovascular health, for your mood, to for your skin health, for so much that is going on in your body. Countless body systems and physiological functions that are going on in your body. So when these research papers come out, it always baffles me because it's like we don't take the whole body into account. We just look at it in terms of reproduction and that's not it. That's not the end of the story. Our reproductive cycle, our menstrual cycle, our ovulation cycle, all of it is a part of the whole. And we cannot dismiss the fact that there is enormous support that this offers a woman and lays a foundation for her for what is beyond her menstrual cycle and her reproductive years. It actually lays a foundation for her beyond menopause. It lays a foundation in her bone health. It lays a foundation in her psychological health, in her emotional health. It is so important that we do not write off this essential system in our body. These hormones are important. And understanding the ebb and flow of our cycle energetically is also so important. It's like we have this beautiful in-breath and out-breath that is constantly moving us through the cycle that gives us an opportunity to get to know ourselves more, get to know what's going on in our body, get to know what level of honoring that we need for ourselves. It's always communicating to us. So beyond the physical, there is actually even more. So that was dispelling the myths that your period is not really needed And it's not just about getting pregnant. We need to know about our fertility. We need to know about these cycles, whether we want to have a baby or not. And when we do get to know our cycle in that way, we have a relationship with ourselves and our body that is such an amazing foundation that when we do get pregnant and if we do get pregnant and decide to have a baby, then we are prepared much more prepared, having a relationship with ourselves as a woman first than if we were to just go into pregnancy without knowing the ins and outs of how our cycle works and without having the opportunity to get to know who we are as women through the means of this this inbuilt, beautiful inbuilt feedback mechanism that we have been provided with. That in itself, you know, is... I feel absolutely invaluable to go into a pregnancy having cultivated and built a relationship with yourself as a woman first. Gosh, if we if we all did that before pregnancy, that would be amazing. The support that we would have for ourselves already having laid that foundation is, I mean, I, I know how much I would have benefited from that. And if you listen to my introductory trailer episode, you would have heard how, you know, I just basically was still, I would call myself a young girl at 23 when I got pregnant and was in no way prepared, connected to my body or understanding of who I was as a woman. I mean, I had no idea, no idea. And so then going into having a baby I mean, it was, it was messy for me. Like 
Internally, I felt like I was in a great big mess and I certainly did not have that level of foundation that I could have had or I would have had if I had have understood and had been building a connection with myself on a much deeper level through the support of my cycle. So there we have it. We have our 10 period myths. So I am going to add those to the show notes so that you have easy access to those. The show notes are always on my website. You will find the podcast at followyourflow.com.au slash podcast. And from there, you will be linked to all of the episodes where you can check out the show notes, check out any resources of anything that I refer to in the show will, will be there in the show notes section. And then don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts and listen to the show on that platform and subscribe, write a review and give me a five-star rating if you're enjoying this content. That would be much appreciated. That way we can get this podcast out to more women and to more people who want to know and understand themselves on a much deeper level when it comes to their health. So thank you very much for listening. I look forward to checking in with you again in two weeks on our Wednesday release day. You're listening to Follow Your Flow podcast with Sarah Harris. Subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and get in touch. All details on www.followyourflow.com.au slash podcast.